everybody, this is Mark Vines, and welcome to The Mark Vines Show, and thank you again for joining me on your journey through patriotism, the Constitution, the American way of life, and frankly, just the best way to live. And, you know, this has just been an amazing time, and we can see now that uh, most Americans are starting to see that the country is well off the rails, well off track, and it's becoming obvious to everyone. But, you know, you have to ask yourself, is this an accident or is this on purpose? And I'm going to share with you some things today that will give you some pause for thought and really kind of put into perspective, you know, many of the, the just the crazy things that we're going through. So what I'm going to be doing for you today is giving you an example of, of a recent news article about an incident that occurred that you're all aware of. And we'll talk about that here in a second and show you how it was completely ignored by the media. And also, we're going to talk about how what is happening in America is not by accident that there actually is a plan for this. And it started in um, the old Soviet Union and uh, really is just a manifestation of tactics that were used to undermine undermine the United States because there's no way that you can defeat the United States from the outside, from just brute physical force. There's just no way that you're going to do that. Although our military is not as strong as it was under the Reagan administration, it is very much a formidable force right now, even to this day. And don't forget also that we have very, very powerful Navy. Uh, we're up to 11 aircraft carriers. I think the Chinese, who are really our big threat right now, I think they have one uh, aircraft carrier. They're trying to change that, but they're at, right now they're at about 11. Now, what happened back in the Soviet Union in the old days, they understood that they could not attack us outright and defeat us. So what did they have to do? They had to attack us from the inside. You know, uh, Abraham Lincoln once said that, you know, a house divided uh, cannot stand. Uh, it'll fall. And that's what the Soviets realized. And there was a man named Yuri Bezimov who was a KGB informant back in the Soviet Union. He defected, later became a, a lecturer, an author, and really a man that would talk out against the Soviet Union and he talked about what the plan was, and he gave us this. And he, he talked about how it was important to attack religious organizations within the United States, the educational system, the social life, the social fabric itself, law enforcement and military systems, and, and we'll talk about this, labor-employee relations. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that a bit today as well. And he said that they recognized that that's how you are going to defeat the United States is by attacking the United States from the inside and tear it apart. Now, if you doubt me, just look at the things that you've been required to do and the things that you haven't been required to do outright, the things that you've been pressured to do. Now, what am I talking about? Well, let me just give you one example. Uh, look at COVID-19. Look at the vaccine. You now have a political party, right? The Democrat Party, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and all the rest of them. They were just saying during the election cycle, they were saying that they weren't going to get vaccinated. You know, Kamala Harris. And if you don't believe me, go back and look at the, the news reports and the YouTube. Uh, go on YouTube and look at the speeches that she gave. Even in one of the debates, she said, I am not going to take Donald Trump's vaccine. Not going to do it. You can't make me do this. You have Joe Biden and Kamala Harris herself saying that they did not have the power to mandate 
getting vaccinated. They didn't have the constitutional authority to do that. But yet, what are we doing? We are making people get vaccinated. Even if it's not a law that they get vaccinated, what you do is you bully them, you pressure them, you threaten to take their job away. Look at how hard this administration is working to go through OSHA and other administrative um, abilities of the federal government to make you do something that you don't want to do. Now, I want to be clear about something. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. In fact, I have been vaccinated, and I actually think that you should get vaccinated, particularly if you are someone that is in a high-risk category. So do not get me wrong. But I'm also a person of liberty. I can be pro-vax and pro-liberty at the same time. Those two, uh, those two thoughts can coexist together. They can, folks. They absolutely can. If you are not in a position where you absolutely must, for your safety, get vaccinated, then it's up to you. I, I do not think that it is the government's place to make you put something into your body that you don't feel that you want to put in your body or you don't feel is right for whatever reason, whether it's a medical issue, whether it's a religious exemption. I'm not in the business. I don't believe that the government should be in the business of mandating things to you because that's one of the reasons why this country was formed, and that's also one of the reasons why the left does not want you to understand American history and why this nation was founded. They don't want you to track that and understand that because they know that if you understand why the United States came into an existence in the first place, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, and the, the tenets of the Constitution, then you will not support any of the things that they, they want you to believe in. I do not believe that you should be mandating people to put things into their body that they do not want to put into their body. For you uh, folks that are pro-abortion out there, and your argument is that it's my body, my choice, well, that can't be ubiquitous to one, or it can't be focused on one particular issue, singular issue. If that's true, then that's true in all of these other cases as well. And don't give me this argument that, by you not getting vaccinated, you then put my life at risk. D don't give me that, okay? If you've been vaccinated, we have been told that if I'm vaccinated, then I am protected against the virus. Meaning, you're, if you're not vaccinated and you have the virus and you come into contact with me, then I am protected from you, right? That's just simple logic. If I'm wearing a mask and you're not wearing a mask, then I should be protected. Should I not be? This is pure logic. Now, I'm getting a little tired, and I know that all of you are getting tired of being lectured otherwise. You know, things that are, uh, you know, things that make sense. And the moving of the goalpost. You know, once we get the vaccine, we won't have to wear masks. Once we get the booster, we won't have to wear masks. You know, all we'll be able to travel. We'll be able to have uh, our lives get back to normal once these things have been developed. And then what you do is you move the goalpost. Well, I, for one, have decided to move on in my life, and I hope you have too. Now, that's a personal decision, but at this point, I, I've moved on. I don't, don't talk to me about variants. Don't talk to me about, you know, there's a new strain. It doesn't matter to me anymore. This is something that we are going to have to live with. We're just going to have to get used to it and learn to move on with our lives. The death rate, this thing, although every single death is a, is a big issue and it's a, it's a terrible thing, Right, but it's a, uh, a risk benefit analysis at this point. 
the fact is that the numbers, the percentages of people that die from this are very, very low. And the vast majority of people that die from this virus also have a pre-existing condition that contributed to uh, that happening. So for most of you that are in good physical condition, you don't have some other pre-existing medical condition, you're going to be fine with this. If you get COVID like I have, I have gotten COVID, it's going to be a bad week. It's going to be a week that you're not going to want to go through again, but you're going to live through it and you're going to be fine. I will tell you that the destruction of our economy and uh, all of the other damage to uh, the, to our society is creating much much longer lasting damage than the virus itself. We don't shut down and and not uh, participate in activities for anything else in our life that poses a risk. For example, I like to use the example that your risk of dying in your automobile tonight doing whatever you want to do is about ten times that of. Uh, what what you are facing with COVID, but not one of you, to include me, would hesitate to get into their vehicle and go about their business and do what they want to do. So let's stop with all of that. Now, um, there there is just this push to bully people into sort of shame people into participating in things that make no sense. Now, let me give you an example. An example. One of the tenets that Yuri Bezimov uh, is going to talk about, and again, I'm going to play the clip for you, is he talks about labor and employer relations. Uh, have you not noticed this, this trend that just happened in the last year or two that, uh, you know, you have to point out to people what your preferred pronoun is, like he, she, his, she, her, hers, they, them, theirs, you know, those types of things. Have you noticed this? People will put it at work on their signature line. Uh, if you're in school, definitely if you're in the in the academic re- arena in school, uh, they'll want you to put it on, you know, any Zoom classes that you're in, Zoom meetings at work. You know, we, we've all go, gone through this. And, and if you're the person that doesn't put that on there, don't you feel a bit pressured to do that? You know, because like people will look at you, you know, what is his problem? What, you know, why is he not putting that on there? And I've, I've often thought about that, that like, Wow, this is just this is nuts. Because just ask yourself, how many people do you know in your life that that's an issue for? I mean, you know, take me. I'm. You look at me, obviously male, um, and you you assume that my pronoun is going to be he, right? You you would just assume that. Now, if I'm in a situation where that's not the case, I don't want you to refer to me as he. How about I point that out to you? And then I can just let everybody know, hey, I know I, I, I'm in a coat and tie here, and I obviously look like a man, but I want you to refer to me as they. Now, put aside the fact that that's just strange in and of itself and grammatically incorrect. I mean, after all, if you were waiting for me at a restaurant with a, a group of friends and I was late, and somebody says, hey, where's Mike? And you say, oh, Mike texted me. They will be here as quickly as they can be. And you, you would probably say, well, oh, who, who's Mike bringing with him? Well, no, nobody. It's just Mike. Well, you said they. Who's they? Well, they is Mike. Hi, well, is there more than one Mike? Is there a group of Mikes? Is he with his family? You know, it's very confusing, and it's just, it's just ridiculous when you think about it. So put aside the fact that we are now succumbing to the crazy crowd. I mean getting us to do things that make no sense. A small child would listen to what you would say here and say, that makes no sense, mom and dad. Why 
Why would we do that? Why would we refer to someone as they? Maybe they should talk to somebody about that if that's an issue for them. But that being said, we're now peer pressured into doing these things, and we are coddling to the less than 1% of the population that wants this, as opposed to that less than 1% looking at the rest of society and just adapting to it. And if this is something, if you if you cannot, uh, if you really struggle with what your pronoun is and what you need to be referred to as, I really think that that's something that you should talk about to someone about because that there's something else going on in your life where you're not satisfied with what you are and who you are. And I think that we need to promote uh, pride and, and acceptance and being comfortable with what is. You know, life gives us, you know, I, I was born a male. I didn't, nobody asked me my permission for that. I didn't contribute to the decision in that. It is what it is. And I can tell you that in my life and other people's lives that I've seen, people that cannot accept that who they are, what they are, and and really build a life around what that is and who they are and accept it. You know, if you're a homosexual, not being able to accept that you're a homosexual is going to be damaging to you. If it's what you are and, and you feel right with it and you feel comfortable with it, then embrace it. Then embrace it and be comfortable with it. If you wanted to be the other gender, uh, it is what it is. But be comfortable with who you are and be able to express that. And everyone around you, and we really are in a society, to be honest with you, where most people accept other people for who and what they are. I'm not saying there isn't racism. I isn't, I'm not saying there isn't sexism. I know that there's pockets of it that are out there. But by and large, our society has, in fact, gotten to the point to where most people are what they are and most people accept it and they move on from that. But this making people address people as things that they clearly are not is very, very damaging. And Yuri Bezmov talks about attacking these systems and mores in our society and how they are ways to uh, for us to attack one another, which is ultimately damaging and weakening us. At a time when we have China on the move, we have Russia on the move, we have Iran, within a very short period of time, they're going to have nuclear weapons. And for those of you that don't pay attention to the world, the Iran wants to wipe us and particularly uh, Israel off of the face of the earth. And that's just a fact. Okay? So, uh, with no further ado, here is Yuri Bezmov in his own words. And let me have you listen to this for a minute. This is the time sufficient to educate one generation of students or children. One generation, one lifetime span of a person, a human being, which is dedicated to study, to shaping up the outlook, ideology, personality. No more, no less. Usually it takes from 15 to 20 years. What it includes? It includes influencing or by various methods infiltration uh propaganda methods direct contacts doesn't really matter i will describe them later <laughs> of various areas where public opinion is formulated or shaped religion educational system social life administration 
law enforcement system, military, of course, and labor and employer relations, economy, okay? Well, there you go. There's Yuri Bezmov talking about the things that we were discussing leading into it, and that is, this is how you destroy a free society and a democracy. You attack it from within. Now, we have just gone through a period of cities being burned down, organizations like Black Lives Matter, which is really not about black lives. It's more about being anti-police and anti-government than anything else. They have done more damage to uh, to black people, I think, than any other recent organization. They really have. And it is disconcerting. And what, what is happening now is if a incident occurs, like what happened with uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, where no black people were killed, it was not a racial incident. In fact, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was, in fact, trying to help people on that particular day and was acquitted uh, because everything that he did was, in fact, self-defense. But yet, to this day, the narrative is Kyle Rittenhouse was a, a white supremacist and a racist, and everything was done to try to uh, put that into the narrative to get you to think. And I, and I really think if you went around the American society today and ask people about this case, they will they will tell you that this guy got acquitted and he was able to kill a bunch of black people when the fact is no black people were killed. But that just did not fit the narrative. Okay, then you had a few days later up in uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin, you had a driver, uh, a black man go and go drive his SUV into a parade and kill a number of people and wounding a lot more than that. And um, it's just interesting to see how that story was treated compared to the um, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse trial. So uh, let me read to you this article because it's it's interesting. And it's the New York Post, which is not a bastion of conservatism by any means. And it's, this was written on December 13th. So it was written uh, yesterday and it was written by Dana Kennedy from the New York Post. And uh, here's the title. Not fitting their narrative, Waukesha feels abandoned after tragic parade attack. So interesting. So uh, for her whole life, 67-year-old Sharon Millard was so shy she used to ask her identical twin sister to go on dates in her place in high school. But ever since November 21st, when Daryl Brooks allegedly plowed into dozens of people in the Waukesha Christmas Parade, killing six people, including an eight-year-old boy and injuring up to 60 others. Listen to that, 60 others. Millard Millard felt compelled to speak about the atrocity uh, she witnessed. So one of the people killed was Millard's fellow dancing granny, 79-year-old Virginia Jenny Sorensen, who was tossed up in the air like a rag doll by Brooks's SUV, police say. So never, no one ever saw him coming, Millard told the Post. He was going so fast. All I knew was I saw Jenny flying up in the air and land in front of me. I saw her curled up and blood was coming out of her like a river, and I was standing in blood. Brooks is a violent 39-year-old career criminal, registered sex offender, and amateur rapper from North Milwaukee with a rap sheet going back to 1999. So this guy has a very, very long history of, of crime. But let's listen to how he was treated. So he allegedly punched the mother of his child in the face earlier last month and then drove over her, leaving tire marks on her leg. So despite the severity of that crime, he was released five days before the Waukesha rampage on a cash bail of just $1,000, and that was set by liberal Milwaukee County prosecutors. So the uh, 
the prosecutors in this case politicized this, saying that because he's a black man, he should not be kept in uh, in, in custody. So he can be quite a dude. Brooks is Milwaukee neighbor, Willie Bates told the Post, but he can also be a bad dude. So the, these are the people that know him. So the people around him even know that he's a problem. So Brooks, Brooks bounced among his mother's house in a rough area on Milwaukee's north side and those of various girlfriends, uh, 120 miles away in Waukesha. When staying with his mom, he frequented neighborhood hangouts on Capitol Drive like uh, Tetonia Liquors, J.J. Fish and Chicken, and the rundown Big Man's Place Bar, where the owners peer out from locked doors and cheap surveillance cameras before letting customers inside. So, um, Screenbook, now listen to this, screenshots of Brooks's Facebook page under his uh, Math Boy Fly rapper handle were mysteriously deleted. Listen to that. They were deleted right after the parade murders and showed that he had praised Hitler, praised Hitler, packed Black Lives Matter, shocking, and called for the violence against white people. And this was deleted shortly after this incident. So when we start back-knocking white people, TF, out, I and want to hear it. The old white people to knock them TF out, period. And those are in all caps, by the way. He wrote under his rap, rap name, Again, that was called, his rap name is Math Boy Fly, along with a middle finger emoji. So Brooks's case has become a cause celeb, not in the mainstream media, which was slammed for initially saying the deadly attack was caused by a car. So it was the car that did this, not Brooks, but the car that drove into the parade. But by an increasing chorus of influential podcasters like Joe Rogan, Thank goodness for him. And online pundits who claim Brooks and his victims in Waukesha have been swept under the carpet by the press because the case doesn't fit their agenda. And no, it does not. The growing outcry may be why it was announced Saturday that First Lady Jill Biden and Second Gentleman Doug Emhoff will visit Waukesha on Wednesday. The bordering ultra-democratic Milwaukee County, Waukesha County, is a Republican uh, stronghold. So, um, you know, we can't have that, can we? So Brooks's mother, Dron Woods, released a letter to the media on December 1st saying that Brooks was mentally ill and hadn't been given the help and resources he needed. An ex-girlfriend had a son with Brooks um, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, told the Post that he has bipolar disorder. Now, let me just stop there for a minute. And that's absolutely uh, true. That is a problem in our system. You know, for those of you that want to make race uh, an issue, for those of you that want to talk about how this is about systemic racism in police departments or whatnot, I have spent most of my adult life in law enforcement. And I can tell you that uh, much of what you see out there has much less to do with race and social injustices as there are just people that should not be walking among us without adult supervision. There is a lot of mental illness that's out there. And um, the folks that need help, we need to do more to change that. And those of you that uh, are putting all of this effort into downsizing police departments, defunding police departments, really what you ought to be doing is pushing to have more services for mental illness in society because many, many of the crimes that you see committed around the United States today uh, has more to do with mental illness than it does anything else, racism or anything else, or being not being privileged. It, it is people that are not being helped. And that may be the case here, okay? It may be. But it's just interesting how this is not getting the attention that it should, okay? So... 
Uh, according to one law enforcement source, Brooks had an erratic history and may have some mental illness, like I just said, but he also fits the profile of a hardened and entitled criminal. The source added that Wisconsin does not lack for mental health services, uh, but you have to get the mental health services. The massacre happened just two days after Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty of reckless homicide and intentional homicide after he fatally shot two people and injured another in Kenosha, which is just 52 miles south of Waukesha. Some locals told the Post they wonder if Brooks was influenced by the outcry over Rittenhouse's acquittal. Uh, And that may be, but does it matter, folks? Does it really matter? Especially given his social media posts, maybe the point of driving, uh, maybe to the point of driving into the parade. Brooks apparently was driving away from another domestic violence episode on the day of the murders. But cops said they were not pushing him and they were not pursuing him. He drove his car in a zigzag motion so as to strike and hurt as many people as possible, not unlike the terrorist who drove a truck in a zigzag fashion into a beachside Bastille Day celebration in Nice, France in July 2016, and they, uh, 84 people were killed there. So we've got six people dead and teenagers so badly, badly injured they will have to learn to walk again at Christmas, said State Representative Cindy Ducow, a Waukesha resident and Republican, and she told that to the newspaper. So Ducal said, because this was a black guy who did it, the media doesn't want to cover it. And that's true. That's what we're talking about. It does not fit the narrative. We don't have a news media anymore. We have people that are in the media that try to influence public opinion. They were all over the Rittenhouse case because that kid was white. Race doesn't matter to us here. And it doesn't matter to us here on the Mark Vine Show either. Okay, facts are facts and feelings are not facts. But the media makes everything about race, and that is absolutely correct. So some state lawmakers from the Waukesha area are outraged by the decision of Milwaukee DA John Chisholm's office to release Brooks on $1,000 bail, even though he had the highest score on a risk assessment test that you can have. So Chisholm's office put out a statement after the parade attack, admitting that the state's bail recommendation was inappropriately low in light of the nature of the recent charges and the pending charges against Mr. Brooks. And is that not an understatement? And I'll tell you something else. You need to be removed from office, and you need to be removed from office right now, my friend. The bail recommendation in this case is not consistent with the approach of the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office toward matters involving violent crime, nor was it consistent with the risk assessment of the defendant prior to setting of bail. Oh, why is this guy still in office? But state representative, or state senator rather, Chris Kapenga, who is a Republican from Delafield, was so disgusted by the low bail, he has begun a campaign to oust Chisholm, sending a letter to Governor Tony Evers. And I hope that goes through, and we'll, we will be tracking that here on this show. So the left was so sympathetic to Kyle Rittenhouse's victims that they're not saying a word about the victims here, Kapanga said. It's not fitting their narrative. The reality is that this person, Brooks, is pure evil and the left's soft on crime policies are blowing up in their face, but they want to ignore it and hope it goes away. So meanwhile, the parents of the eight-year-old boy killed at the parade are having to face their first Christmas without him. He drove down the middle of the, of the parade and aimed to get as many people as he could, said Millard, who has been speaking out whenever she can, even on live TV shoots that terrify her. They should put him in a room and let us have a go at him. And I think they should do that too. I think he deserves the death penalty. He will burn in hell. But Waukesha residents also admit they don't know why Brooks did what he allegedly did. 
and are aware of uh, appearing racist. Listen, folks, um, evil is evil. Mental illness is mental illness. And sometimes it's not any more complicated than that. We all have a backstory, said Christopher Magesky, 60, a regular at the, the Nice Ash Cigar Bar, which is the cheers of Waukesha. We all have reasons to screw up. If a guy, Brooks, needed help, he could have gotten it. And that's so true. I'm a lot more concerned with the devastation he brought on this community. It's not just the people he killed and injured. It's all their relatives and loved ones being affected for years to come as well. You know, whatever I say, I'll look like some white supremacist. You know, because you're not allowed. You're not allowed to have opinions anymore, particularly if you're white. If you're white, you're not allowed to have an opinion. And and people in Waukesha know that. He said, but you know what? I'm married to a Mexican Indian woman. I have a son-in-law who's black and three black grandchildren. Don't label us here just because we're conservative, right? You're not allowed to be conservative in this country anymore. If you are, you're labeled a white supremacist. And that's exactly what he's talking about. So Brooks gave no reason for his actions in a brief video interview from jail last month, saying only that he felt dehumanized and demonized. Well, that's because you ran over 60 people. That's why. The motive is in the criminal complaint, Waukesha Police Captain Dan Bauman told the Post last week. Bauman declined to elaborate, but officers recounted in the complaint how they yelled, Stop! Stop the vehicle! at Brooks multiple times and pounded on the hood of the car as it flew by. One officer said he saw Brooks looking straight at him, straight ahead, and it appeared he had no emotion on his face. Brooks hit up to 60 people on purpose, say both cops and witnesses. He's been charged with six counts of intentional homicide and sits in the Waukesha County Jail on $5 million bail. Two other dancing grannies, Leanne Owen, 71, and Tamara Durand, 52, were killed along with William Hospital, 81, the husband of a dancing granny, and the bank employee named Jane Kulik, who is 52, who was walking alongside her company's float. Jackson Sparks, who is 8 years old, died from brain injuries two days before he was hit while marching with his baseball team in the parade. So his brother Tucker, who's 12, was also struck and injured, but released from the hospital after being treated for a fractured skull. A relative of the Sparks family told the Post that Jackson's parents did not want to speak publicly yet about their son. So three injured children remain in fair condition at Children's Hospital in Waukesha. Many of their victims were released from the hospital, but sustained life-changing injuries. One child's limbs were almost ripped off. Um, someone from the hospital told the Post. So Crystal Ruloff, a bartender at Nice Ash, who uh, who was watching the parade from her apartment above the bar, says she will never forget seeing Brooks swerve from side to side as he roared down the street, picking off two people right in front of her eyes. It was absolutely horrible, said Ruloff. There were bodies everywhere. I felt like I was watching something on TV. It wasn't real. This kind of thing doesn't happen in Waukesha. Waukesha's charming Main Street, where the parade attack took place, resembles a sort of postmodern Mayberry. Splashes of bleach are visible on the street, covering the blood spilled on November 21st. Blue lights can be seen in house windows all over at night, which is part of a Unite with the Blue Light campaign, which was sponsored by the city. So, Waukesha Mayor Sean Riley said locals are slowly picking up the pieces. It's taken away some of our innocence. Uh, I don't think that we'll ever feel the same about going to the parade. We feel great sadness for those affected. Some of the injuries were terrible. A lot of people were run over by cars, so there are uh, a lot of head injuries. I saw a lot of the carnage that night in front of them. Um, uh, We are going to be dealing with this for a long time, 
So Waukesha Police Captain Bauman, a native son, sounded a more hopeful note. He said the outpouring of donations and support for Waukesha and its victims uh, has actually unified us. You know, it's been horrific, he said, but it's also brought us closer together. It's really helped us to hear from ordinary people from all over the world, and it will help us heal. So Miller now spends her days working as a teacher's aide, practicing dancing granny routines, being with her husband and daughter, and walking uh, or talking on the phone rather with her twin sister in California. But she still has her doubts that the town can recover. And she said that uh, it's starting. She started to fall apart at work the other day. You know, I can't stop seeing Jenny dying in front of me in my uh, in my head. She says, I know I'm not the only one that who's affected like this, and I can't imagine getting over this. But folks, this the reason why I wanted to share this article with you is it is absolutely an example of how the media, if you've not figured it out, tries to change the narrative and control what is being said and what's being heard. And it's having a very, very damaging effect on uh, the, our society because, once again, people believe that you know there's white people that are out of control that are out gunning black people down left and right which is just not true that the statistics don't uh, support that um, common sense doesn't support that and you don't see these things but when we do have an incident like this it is completely covered up so my call to action is we need to have a press that uh, reports the news and doesn't shape the news just reports what's going on because folks our nation is under attack, and we need to do something about it. And, we, and the way that we can do something about this is to get the real information that's out there, and um, that we're going to be doing our part here on this show. So with that, folks, thanks again for joining us. Uh, I am Mark Vines. This is The Mark Vines Show. Uh, visit us on Facebook. Um, you can reach out to me. Let me know how I'm doing. Give us a like. Spread this podcast far and wide across the fruited plains of America, and we will see you next time.